You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. This is uh, Father James Shaw, and I'd like to uh, finish now our uh, reading, our uh, reflection on the Republic of Plato uh, with the last book, Book 10. And this will complete this whole series uh, that we have been um, considering on political philosophy. Now, the last book of the Republic begins with a second look at the question of the status of music and poetry in the city, which we are building in speech. So remember that this was considered to be the main problem that corrupted the education of the uh, of the young uh, potential philosophers. So, we have banished poetry, at least the poetry of Homer, that depicted the gods carousing and lying, and other such uh, stuff that uh, students never never do supposedly. So that um, it was considered by Plato that there was a relationship between the music you hear and the poetry you read what it says and what it implies, and how you live. And that was his objection to it. And he has a, a point there that cannot be overlooked. So we go back to uh, knowledge theory uh, to understand the objection of Socrates to poetry or to anything that imitates. He wants us to have a real experience of real things which ultimately means the forms of things, whereas the things themselves are weak and changeable. They are changeable as participations in the good, uh, while painting is an imitation of an imitation. So uh, painting and uh, music uh, uh, imitate um, real things. And he says on 595b, all such poetry is likely to distort the thought of anyone who hears it unless he has the knowledge of what it is really like, the end of the quote. So any kind of a distortion needs to be corrected by something in reality. Note that Socrates never underestimates the power of poetry and music on our souls, as we often do. I believe Aristotle said that music is the imitation of the human voice under some kind of an emotion or passion. Uh, recall, too, what was said someplace about the lover of the flute who can, by chance, who, uh, by chance hears it being played someplace. He will listen to it or hear it, and the music or the poetry has its effect on our souls if we let it. Uh, so unless, as the uh, first citation in the uh, paragraph implies, uh, we have ordered our souls already uh, in us by training and knowledge, then it will uh, uh, distract us and, and reformulate our, our emotions. So Socrates never denies the charm of, of Homer. In 595b uh, says, quote, I will tell you, even though 
the love and respect I have had for Homer since I was a child make me hesitate to speak, for he uh, uh, he seems to have been the first teacher and leader of all the fine tragedies, all these fine tragedies. All the same, no one is to be honored or valued more than truth. So, as I say, it truth must be told, he said, at the end of the quote. This is a famous passage. Homer is the teacher of the Greeks. You may have heard uh, me use the following Latin phrase, amicus plato, amicus Aristoteles, Marges, Amicus, Veritas. I am a friend of Plato, a friend of Aristotle, but more a friend of truth, which is what Socrates just said. Plato is the remote uh, author of this notion. He is a friend of truth. And actually, Aristotle uses the same idea when disagreeing with Plato himself. Uh, about the fifth book of the Republic. He says in 595, uh, 598b, he says, quote, things as they are, uh, he talks about in 596e, he talks about things as they are. And this is a picture of the bed, the actual bed in its various varieties. Uh, and the bed as a form uh, that makes it different from uh, uh, chairness. Uh, the maker of the form bed is uh, contrasted to the maker, to the uh, maker, the carpenter of an actual uh, bed of this or that kind. Uh, that's 597e. Plato thinks imitation of poetry to be uh, is as remote or removed from the truth. So remember that for Plato, there's the real bed, which is the form. Uh, then there's the idea that we have the bed, and then the actual making of the bed, uh, and then we as observers see the bed and know what it is. But thus he says in uh, 598e, then we must consider tragedy and its leader, Homer. The reason is this. We hear some people say that poets know all crafts, all human affairs concerned with virtue and vice, and all about the gods as well. They say that if a good poet produces fine poetry, he must have knowledge of the things he writes about, the end of the quote. And what follows, and in other dialogues, Homer is taken as an authority of things other than poetry, a violation of the principle of specialization. Poets imitate images of things, of virtue, not virtue itself, or not the life of virtue itself. That's 600D. Imitation and calculation. Calculating, uh, measuring, and weighing are the work of the rational part of the soul, as he indicates in 602b. Contrast again on the difference between belief, opinion, and knowledge. So, knowledge is when we affirm that a thing is, opinion is when we think it this way rather than that way, and belief is we take it on authority.
and he says in 603c, we say that imitative poetry imitates human beings acting voluntarily or under compulsion, who believe that as a result of these actions, they are doing either well or badly, and who experience either pleasure or pain in doing this. The end of the quote. The part of the soul that rules and the part that is ruled, so the soul and Plato has these two parts, um, the passions which we rule and the uh, intellect which does the uh, judging of the ruling. At 604a, he says in 604b, he says, the law says, does it not, that it is best to keep as quiet as possible in uh, misfortunes and not get excited about them. First, it is not clear whether such things will turn out to be good or bad in the end. And secondly, it does not make the future any better to take them hard. Third, human affairs aren't worth taking very seriously. And finally, grief prevents the very thing we most need in such circumstances uh, from coming into play as quickly as possible. The end of the quotation. So therefore, the very thing that human affairs aren't worth taking very seriously, this is my own thought there in the unseriousness of human affairs, which is where the idea comes from. It comes from here in Plato. But the question here is whether poetry and music can exist in a well-governed state. But we are right to exclude it if in an ill-governed state. So 605b. The case against Homer is made in 605d. He says, And so, Galcon, when you happen to meet uh, those who praise Homer and say that he is the poet who educates, educated Greece, uh, that it's worth uh, taking up his works in order uh, to learn how to manage and educate people, and that one should arrange his whole life in accordance with his teaching. You should welcome these people and treat them as friends, uh, since they're as good as they're capable of being. And you should agree that Homer is the most poetic of the tragedians and the first among them. But you should also know that hymns uh, to the gods and eulogies to good people are the only poetry we can admit into our city. The end of the quote. Recall what Socrates uh, in the Phaedo did at the beginning of his last day. Uh, he offers um, a, a poem uh, and uh, uh, to the gods. So in 607a he says, "Then let us be, let this be our defense. Now that we have returned to the topic of poetry, that in view of its nature." We had reason to banish it from the city earlier, for our arguments compelled us to do so. But in case we are charged with a certain harshness and lack of sophistication, let's also tell poetry, 
that there is there is an ancient quarrel between it and philosophy, the end of the quote, a very famous uh, point, the ancient quarrel between uh, poetry and philosophy as to which is the more influential. The quarrels between philosophy and politics, poetry and philosophy, politics and poetry, and revelation and poetry are part of the structure of the Republic. <clears throat> the quarrel consists in the praise of the city by the poets and of the gods of the city who carouse and so forth. So is that uh, a good thing or a bad thing, which is what the issue is? So there is a charm in poetry. We will see this later. So Socrates, after all, is willing to let poetry back into the city if it is true uh, lyric or epic poetry, that is, if the plot and the rhythms are in order in 607D. Defenders of poetry can speak in prose. And yet, the struggle to be good rather than bad is important. And Glaucon, uh, as he says in 608B, uh, that struggle is important, Glaucon, much more important than people think. That is a struggle between good and evil. Thus, we must not be tempted by honor, money, rule, or even poetry into neglecting justice and the rest of the virtues. So that's the issue right there. The order of the highest things remains. That is to say, the order of these virtues and uh, objects to one another. It is at this point, almost offhandedly, that Socrates says, quote, 608c, could anything really uh, great come to pass in a short time? And is not the time from childhood to old age short when compared to the whole of time? It is the mere nothing, uh, Galcon says. Oh, well, do you think, this is Socrates, now do you think that an immortal uh, thing should be seriously concerned with that short period um, uh, rather than with the whole of time. <clears throat> so this is his point about the uh, purpose of the philosopher himself. This is a most startling passage recalling the discussion in the Phaedo and even at the end of the Apology. Uh, so the discussion about immortality. Glaucon wants to know what Socrates is talking about. And Socrates asks, Have you uh, not recalled that our soul is immortal and never destroyed? And Glaucon is startled by this affirmation. He looked, a quote in 608D, says, He looked at me with wonder and said, No, by God, I have not. Are you really in a, uh, a position to assert that? He begins to talk a good, of good and bad. Recall that we had dropped the discussion of rewards and punishments in Book 2. The immortality of the soul enables us to bring it up again, as it needs to be completed now that we know we should be just for its own sake, which is what the conclusion of, if you recall, Book 9 was. Uh, we should be just not for the rewards we get or the punishments, 
when we say but because we know that it's the right thing to do. That's not. Nothing destroys the soul. The bad uh, just stamps the character of its own actions on it. So the soul isn't destroyed, but it becomes distorted. That's 609b. And this recalls the proofs for the immortality of the soul in the Phaedo. Remember, that's the discussion subject of the discussion of Socrates' last day. Injustice does not make the soul waste away or destroy it. The soul remains now uh, in, uh, colored by its own injustice. There is an evil proper to the soul, that is, injustice. And if the soul is but uh, immortal, is not immortal, uh, many crimes are unpunished and many uh, good things not rewarded. As this uh, does not happen in this life, this rewarding and punishment in an actual city. So that's the argument for eternity or for immortality. And he said, 610e, he said, Now, if the soul is not destroyed by a single evil, whether its own or something else's, uh, then clearly it must always be. And if always, if it always is, it is immortal. The end of the quote. So again, the context of immortality of the soul is the context of justice and injustice. And the true soul is seen when it is separated from the body. And how do we get a knowledge of this? In 611e, he says, we get it from its philosophy or love of wisdom. We must realize that it grasps and longs to have intercourse with uh, 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 because it also is akin to the divine and immortal and what always is. And we must realize what it would become if it followed this longing for this, its whole being, the end of the quote. So the soul uh, causes us to long for the knowledge of all realities. We call the ring of Gyges, where the, uh, where the man turned the button and then decided he could do everything lawless. But there's a second ring where if he turns the button, he still wouldn't do something lawless because he saw what was right. And they have uh, found reason for justice without the need to invoke rewards and punishments, which is what uh, A. Madison Galcon were looking for. And 612b says, And have not we found that justice itself is the best thing for the soul itself, and that the soul, whether it has the ring of Gyges or even if together uh, with a uh, calf of Hades, uh, should be just, uh, should we should do just things. So even if we had the ring uh, by which we could become invisible and do whatever we want, we shouldn't do that. And will we not, and, six, and 613a says, and will we not also agree that everything that comes to someone who is loved by the gods, insofar as it comes from the gods themselves, is uh, the best possible, unless uh, it is 
the inevitable punishment for some mistake he made in his former life. So the gift of the gods, in a certain sense, is even more important to us than anything else. And he says, I wonder if this refers to the discussion of, in the youth, or I said it refers to the discussion in the youthful about whether we do things because the gods wish it or whether the gods wish it because it is good. Socrates then proposes the final myth, the myth of Ur, to illustrate the question of rewards and punishment. Meditate on this uh, myth and its structure carefully. It is uh, somewhat analogous to the story of Dives and Lazarus in the New Testament, where Dives, the rich man, uh, dies uh, and he sees Lazarus, the poor man, uh, with uh, all good things in heaven. And the, he is suffering, Lazarus, the rich man, is suffering for his sins. And he pleads with Lazarus uh, to let him come and return to earth uh, and warn his brothers. Uh, but this cannot be done, evidently, if we have uh, the prophets and the scriptures. Uh, that is enough for us. Even if someone returns uh, from the dead, no one will believe him. And Ur is a soldier who returns and is asked to give an account of what happens after death. And that's what the myth is in the, <clears throat> in the Republic. There is the constant stream of judge, as we see them, those who have died and are coming forth to be judged for their life. And there is a figure of reincarnation here. Each soul comes back and can choose another way of life the second time around until he finds the best one. The trouble is that his choice choices are decided by what sort of a life he has lived in the first time around. The great and small are judged. They are they can choose their own uh, daimon. Uh, uh, we call it Socrates daimon. And the, and the uh, apology guided him to do what he did. So we can choose our own daimon, our own inspiration, our own uh, guide. The second and third and fiftieth time around does not seem to work. They just choose a different kind of badness. Evidently, the point of the story is that we better choose correctly the first time around. The Christian doctrine of death, judgment, heaven, hell is in this line also. And the goddesses of past, present, and future are the ones mentioned in uh, Plato as the ones who carry out uh, and uh, understand this sequel. So read carefully the last paragraph of the Republic, especially in light of the last lines of the Apology and of the Phaedo. Here, uh, both in this life and on the thousand-year journey uh, we have described, we will do well and we will be happy. The end of the thing is 621D. Now, what is it, then, uh, that you have done when you have read the Republic? 
The unity of the Republic is complete, from the first words of Socrates at his trial uh, to the last words at the end of the Republic. We have an ever-deepening reflection on the order of things. All of the myths recall the whole of the book. We began by discussing justice, and we wondered about rewards and punishments, only to find them unworthy. Then, at the very end, they return. Why? In one sense, the philosophical doctrine of the immortality of the soul, it is not directly a revealed doctrine, has political origins. Why is this? Precisely because the polis can't punish all crimes and reward all virtues. And on the other hand, Socrates is killed in all existing cities, even in the cave when he returns, as you recall in Book 7. The seventh letter treats this topic also. The question is, does the Republic save Socrates? Does it save anyone else? Uh, and from what? <clears throat> Strauss says that the city in speech is the only natural city. It is the best city. That is the city we are building in speech over against existing cities to find out what is constitution and structure ought to be so that we will have, independent of all existing cities, a criterion to know and judge existing cities. Athens is the best existing cities. Is Socrates also a politician? Is he a poet? Why do you read the Republic? What, after all, is the ultimate answer of Plato to Homer? What is his answer to the education of the potential philosopher? What does one actually do as he reads the Republic? You are not to carry these questions away with you, but the answers to them. Questions uh, do not exist for the sake of questions. They exist for the same, uh, for the reason of their answers. But that does not mean that we do not have uh, to perceive the answers in the arguments presented to us in the text. Essentially, the answer to Homer is the Republic itself, its charm and its truth. So that is the lesson, ultimately, that the Republic teaches us, that the fascination that we have the attention, the riveting uh, interest we have in the Republic is precisely the answer to Homer. It is precisely that the kind of city that we ought to have is not one where the gods and the heroes carouse and are evil, but one whereas the criterion of justice is always present. And this is the ultimate teaching, I think, of political philosophy and the ultimate teaching uh, certainly a Plato, the end of this particular course. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.